Hey, community of faith, it's 2021. How many of you are excited about that, right? Yeah. Well, I have a dream for you this year in 2021. And I want to share a little bit of that with you today because we're talking about hope for our home. And we're going to talk about a, a really important area that uh, causes about half of all divorces. But as you sit here this morning, whether you're at home, sitting on the couch, listening, or you're here in the room, you're in one of two places. You're either in the stressed zone, which would be a place where you're like, I mean, it's not very comfortable. It's kind of scary. You're looking around at everything that's happening, and it just feels like the world's being shaken right now, and, and our world is being shaken, and we're trying to figure it out, and what's coming economically, what's, what's happening politically, what's happening in so many different areas and so many different ways. And uh, maybe even in your own relationships, your family, there's this, just this stress. Or you're living in the blessed zone. And that's a place where there's a joy that really doesn't make sense because what the Bible would call it, the joy of your master. He's, he's your master and he's given you joy. There's a peace that passes understanding. And there's just this different way of living. You're seeing God meet you day by day by day, right where you are. Well, my dream for you, I want you to live in that blessed zone. And there is a way to do that. So I want to talk about some of that this morning. You see, what you believe about God is truly evident this morning. Not so much in your praises, even though it's been a blast to praise God, but sometimes we can come and just sing our hearts out and feel real emotional, but that's not where I see what you really believe yet. And not so much even in your thoughts, because we can have these thoughts and we think, okay, this is what I think about God. This What, what shows me what you really believe is your actions, your actions. My dad, he used to say, and, and this is one of the things that I'll, I'll take with me all through my life because it really changed me early to understand this. What we believe we put into practice in our lives. Everything else is just religious talk. And I, I know that that's true. Actions matter. Actions are important. A lot of people say they care about their health, but when you look at their lifestyle, they don't care about their health, do they? A lot of people say, I care about my family, but when you look and see them and how late at night they're still at the office, you start to wonder about that. A lot of people say God is first place, but in their time, in their money, in their life, he gets the leftovers. Well, my dream for you in 2021 is that you would really know the truth. I mean, deep down, like really know it, the real truth truth about life and that you would really believe the truth and then that you would act decisively on the truth because you will move from the stress zone to the blessed zone if you do that. And I think there's one area of our lives that really brings out what we feel about God's character. We're talking about hope for your home and this week's assignment was hope for your finances. And some of you just tightened up when I said finances, right? But we find out what we believe about God's character 
as we look at our finances, that area. You see, I'm convinced that if you and I could ever grasp the depth of God's love for us, how much he loves us, how much he is for us, how much he longs to bless us, that our lives would really never be the same. Let me read you just a couple of passages. I didn't put them on the screen or anything. I just want you to listen. This is God talking, okay? He says this in Psalm 81. He says, I, the Lord, am your God. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it with good things. Oh, that you, my people, would listen to me. Then you would walk in my ways. I would quickly subdue your enemies, but I would feed you with the finest of wheat. With honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. What an amazing verse. He says, and and he goes on in that passage, I long to do this. I want to do this, but you won't come my way. You won't obey my principles. You're not stepping into that. He said, I want to feed you with the finest of wheat. I want to give you honey from the rock. What he's basically saying is, I know you might be okay going to Golden Corral, but man, I've got taste of Texas rolls with that honey butter for you, you know? And and that's what I, I long to give. I mean, I want to give that to you. If you just let me give it to you. Isaiah 42 says this, the Lord has magnified his word and made it truly glorious. Through it, he planned to show the whole world that he's good. But what a sight his people are. Those who were to demonstrate to all the world the glory of his word, they are robbed, enslaved, imprisoned, trapped, fair game for all with no one to protect them, with no one to say, give them back. And I told the Lord, I said, that's what I want to, I want to be one that calls out all of 2021, give them back. We're coming back to you. We're going to come back into this. We're going to understand this. Well, why are finances, why do we need to talk about that when we talk about hope for the home? 64% of arguments in marriage have something to do with finances. Did you know that? Half of all divorces, finances are a big part of that. Finances. Well, if that's the case, how do you activate God's power in your finances? We'll look at a couple of quick principles, okay? We're going to look first, just really briefly, at economics. You know, have you heard of economics? Well, God's way of activating his power in your finances, I call it economics, And you can see that in Matthew 6, 33. You might wanna write this down. To activate God's power in your finances, apply God's economic principle. Seek him and his interests first. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus was talking. He says, you guys worry about so many things. He's just talking to us. You worry about so many things. What am I gonna eat? What am I gonna wear? You know, how am I gonna make ends meet? How is this gonna happen? And then he says this in Matthew 6, 33. If you just realize Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek here is an action verb. Seek, seek God and his interests first and he will take care of your needs and your interests. 
You see, if you want God to be involved in your marriage, you've got to put him first in your marriage. Seek him first. If you want God to be active in your life, you must put him and his word above all else in your life. I'm gonna put this into play, into practice in my life. If you want God to be first and activate his power in your finances, you've got to put him first in your finances. I think a lot of us kind of remind me of the little boy and I have so many times in my life. Um, he, he was like five, six years old, maybe seven. His mom didn't go to church. None of his family went to church, but there was a church just like half a block down the road, down his very street. One of those little towns with churches on every corner. And also there was a gas station there. So every Sunday morning, because he started acting out pretty early, she thought, I better get him in church. So I'm gonna send him there. She'd give him two quarters, one to put in the offering at church and one to buy gumball at the gas station on the way home from church. Not before he got there, because he wouldn't chew it in church, right? Well, he's walking to church and he's all excited. And all of a sudden, one of the quarters slips out of his hands and it hits just perfect and it rolls and it goes in this grate. And he looks down in the grate and it's like 20 feet deep. It's gone, you know? And he goes, God, there goes your quarter. You ever feel like that, you know? It's like, hey, that was your quarter because I need this quarter, right? And, and there goes yours, you know? I thought I was gonna have enough left over, but I didn't at the end. God says, seek him first in your finances. The second principle is what? The Bible calls the harvest principle, the harvest principle. To activate God's power in your finances, apply God's harvest principle, sowing, not like sowing, but sowing seed, okay? Sowing leads to reaping. Second Corinthians chapter nine, there's a little passage about finances, about giving, and it's really powerful. And what this little thing is talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it's talking about God and his character really more than anything else. But it starts out saying this, listen to what the Bible says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, a lot of people have claimed that like as a promise, but that's not a promise. That's what is called an axiom. What's an axiom? An axiom is a self-evident truth. It needs no substantiation because it's so obvious, right? I mean, ask any farmer how big you want your crop to be. It depends on how much seed you sow, right? So if you sow a little bit of seed, you'll have a little bit of crop. If you sow a lot of seed, hopefully you'll get a, a lot of crop. But what the Bible is trying to tell us here is that same axiom that God says, this is built into my universe, how this works, I've also built it into how it works with your giving to me. I have put that into play. You'll reap a harvest according to the measure of your sowing. So the question is whether we choose to live in that principle or not. Why are so many of us as believers living such impoverished lives in impoverished relationships, in impoverished circumstances. I think it's because we don't understand God's math. In God's mathematics, the best way to increase a sum is to subtract from it. Now, that doesn't make any sense to us. In my math, I'm thinking, if I don't give, I will have more for me, right? 
I will have more if I give less, right? Wrong. That's not what God says. That is a math that leads, leaves God out of it. And that's what I'm trying to do this morning is get God back into your finances so that you can see him work in miraculous ways. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you reap generously. The world says you gain abundance by hoarding. God says you gain abundance by giving away what you have to his kingdom causes. And then you watch him replenish that plus some so you can give it away again. And then he replenishes that plus some so you can give it away again. It's just this crazy cycle. And you see God involved in your life all of the time. But here's the thing. It all comes down to what we believe about God. Now, this next part of this little paragraph in the Bible, if you really understand God and you know God, it's gonna put a big smile on your face because yeah, that's my God, right? The Bible is reminding us of who God really is. God says, here's how I want you to give. Verse seven, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. Basically, the deciding factor in how I will live my life is how I see God. Is God a giver or a taker? Oh my God, you're draining me. All these demands, obey, 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 give, give, give. And I just feel like you're waiting to punish me when I don't measure up. You see God as the great taker, taker of my spare time, taker of my money, my fun, my control in life. So the big issue for our lives this morning is how we see God. What do we feel him to be like when we look up into his face? And God knows this is the issue. God is saying in this passage, I want you to really know me. I want you to know who I am. I want to be known and loved and trusted, not as a God who's a taker, as a God who is a giver. I want to let you know that in this whole affair of giving, that I'm all over it, that I gave it to you in the first place. I mean, it's all a gift from me. Everything that you get on this planet, you know, you're just managing it for me for a little while. You say, no, that's, it's my stuff. Well, oh, are you going to take it with you when you die? No, this first part of our lives, the Bible says we're managers and we're learning how to manage God's stuff because he's just gonna give it to somebody else. After that, probably your kids and they can squander it, you know, but it's, it's just for a little while. And so he's saying, I give it to you in the first place and then you give some back to me for my kingdom purposes and then I give you even more and then you give some back to me for my kingdom purposes and I give you even more and it just is this amazing cycle I love to give. Do you see me like that? Do you understand me like that? Do you believe that that's who I am? And, you know, if, if we don't see him like that, all of this is just draining. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's losing, it's burdensome, it's, it's, it's sparing, it's legalistic. Who needs it? Don't do it. I think a lot of us have mixed up God with like some whiny preacher or some whiny priest in our past, maybe putting their thumb down on you and, you know, guilting you, manipulating you, showing you all the, uh, oh, look at all the needs in the world. Look at those poor 
starving kids. And you're sitting there, you gained a little weight lately, haven't you? You know, look at those. And, and it's like, it's just. That's not why you give. In fact, look what it says in this verse. It says, you're my children and you're gonna figure this giving thing out because you're my children. I don't need someone outside to be putting their thumb down on you and make you do this. And if they do that, I don't want you to give to that. But it says, I want you to give like you've decided in your heart to give. Did you see that in the verse? He said, give as you've decided in your heart. It's a really unusual verb there. In the original language, the Greek, it's not found anywhere else in scripture. It means to be predetermined, to make a predetermination, not to act out of impulse, but to act out of a predetermination. God is saying, hey, you're my kid. You can figure this thing out. Don't let anyone manipulate you. And then he says, not reluctantly. Another really interesting word there in the Greek, it means literally not with sorrow. Have you ever given with sorrow? I know I have, you know, because you think someone's expecting you to, or you feel kind of guilty if you don't. And, you know, every time I order a Domino's pizza, I feel kind of guilty if I don't push, I'm going to add that extra to, you know, the hospitals and stuff. It's like, well, I'm going to eat a pizza right now. And those little kids, you know, I don't know, you know. But if you're giving it, you're going like, oh, I can't believe I added that on. I can't believe that that was so hard. Oh, here, God, here's your, I need this money so bad. Here, he said, don't do it. If that's how you're giving it, don't give it that way. He doesn't want that. He says, spend it on yourself. That would be better. He also says, not under compulsion. That's the outside thing. See, the first one, not reluctantly, has to do with this inner feeling the, under, the, the not reluctantly, but the under compulsion is the, an outside pressure. Don't give for any of that because someone guilted in, you into it. Don't do that. And then it says, for God loves a cheerful giver. And this, I think, is the most unusual part of the whole unusual phrases there. I've, I've looked all through my Bible. I don't see any place in my Bible that it says that there is a certain group of people that God has this extra, see, God loves the whole world. He loves the world with all that he is. In fact, he gave, many of you have stepped into that journey with Jesus as he gave his very life for us. We've received what he did for us on the cross and we stepped into that and it's just been this life change. You wanna talk more about that? We're always available to talk about that at Community of Faith because that's the thing that just is the most amazing thing of all. But those of us who stepped into this journey, he, 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 has this special love for us. But then it says he, on top of that, loves a believer that's a cheerful giver. And the word agapao is a really powerful word. It means a special fondness for. He's well pleased with, a contentedness with. I think it's, it, it's kind of like if you're a parent, you love all your kids the same. You love them with all of your heart. But maybe you know, one kid's kind of struggling, rebellious, and it's just, you're having just discipline, discipline, this one. The other one is just like walking with you, having a great time in life with you. You kind of have this special fondness. You don't love them more, but you love them fondly. It's like, we're friends, we're buddies. We can do that already instead of just always be the parent, you know? That's what it's, it's saying. He's, that God loves 
when you do that. He's pleased with that. And then look what it says in verse eight. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Does that describe your life? That's what I have. I have like God blessing me abundantly in all things, at all times, having all that I need, so I will abound in every good work. God is able to bless you abundantly. He's able to. Such an interesting word. He's able to, but he's not for some of us. Why? Because you haven't opened the way for him to do it. He's able to. He's a God who is ready to. If you could just see his heart, he's going, little girl of mine, I am so ready. I'm so tired of seeing you live that way. I'm so ready. Will you just open the door to that? Will you obey my principles? Will you step into that so I can do this? Little boy of mine, I'm ready for this. Let's do this. Come on, we can do this. Now don't give because someone's guilting you. Don't give because, you know, you're just like, uh, this is so painful. I want you to figure out that I'm ready and we're going to get in this cycle that's going to be so much fun that you're just going to be. The word cheerful means hilarious. <laughs> Did you know that? God loves a hilarious giver. Have you ever felt like that? You know, you're right, you're, you're, you're giving to God and setting things up and you're going, <laughs> there's so much about this guy. No, you're kind of going, <laughs> that's a different thing, right? So he loves that. It's, I mean, it's amazing to him. He loves it when we're cheerful givers. And look at all those all things. He's able to bless you abundantly, all things, all times, all that you need, all good works. It's the sense of enoughness. Do you have that in your life? A sense of enoughness? See, God's definition of wealth is the God-sent possibility to multiply my joy by providing for good works. When, when God finds a generous giver, he, he sets a special fondness on that giver, replenishing his or her giving with an abundance so that he or she can give even more. And they give and he gives back more and they give and he gives back more. Verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So who does God multiply seed to? The hoarder? No, the sower, the, the giver. The amount entrusted to you and your life changes depending on what you do with what you already have. That, that's, a, that's a huge principle of God. Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. See, God is looking for pipelines for his kingdom purposes in this world. That's the point that we're here cooperating with him, learning to walk with him. You're not gonna sit on a cloud in heaven for a billion years and play a harp. The Bible says we're gonna sit and rule and reign with him. And he's trying to teach us a little bit how to do that, how to cooperate with him. You see, it's just exponential. It's just ever expanding and ever expanding for the purpose of resowing, for the purpose of an increased harvest of righteousness. Paul says, through us, your generosity will be put to work. See, Paul's carrying their gifts all over the world in his ministry as he's a, a, a missionary. And through us, 
those gifts are, are gonna reap a harvest for you. That's what I like to think of community of faith that way. When Laura and I came back from Mexico, we were, where we were missionaries for about a decade in Mexico City, mostly, uh, we were gonna just start a little mission agency here and we felt like we could go around and help churches get connected and do some really hands-on stuff. And we just didn't find the interest that we thought we were gonna have. And it's just like God put on our heart, start a church that gets it. And so that's you. That's you. I mean, the, I, the most generous church in the United States, as far as I'm concerned already, and God is just getting us started. I just wanted to tell you, you know, our, our best gift offering is over $850,000 already, Okay. That's pretty, I think you should clap for that and clap for God and clap for you. Every penny of that goes out around the globe and is making a difference right here at home, stopping sex trafficking around, all around Burundi, all those places. But Laura and I have dedicated our lives to going and finding those places where we can make impact, where we can make a difference, where we can see things happen and, and in a powerful way, not just waste the money down, you know, it's gotta be something that makes impact for God's kingdom because when you get to heaven, I want God to say to you, well done. Well done, faithful servant. Good job. I wanna be a part of that with you. That's what we do together. And we've seen God do these amazing things. And it's just getting started. You know, a fun way, and you've probably never heard this put this way, but a fun way to put God first in your finances, because some of you are going like, okay, Mark, get really practical. How do I put God first in my finances? A really fun way to do that, the Bible calls it the principle of tithing. Now, some of you are going like, well, you're real intellectual. Tithing is Old Testament or New Testament or whatever. I'm, not, I'm just telling you, this is the thing that changed my life, okay? Uh, if you want to give something different, you can do that. If you want to give more than 10%, feel free. But 10% is a tithe, okay? Okay. Um, I talked to one guy, he said, I, 10% is in the Old Testament. I wanna do the New Testament. I said, well, in the New Testament in Acts, it said they gathered everything they had and laid it at the apostles' feet. So I guess you can do that. He goes, I'll go back to the tithing. 100% is God's. This is what the tithe is about. Everything I own is really God's. He, he owns it. He simply says, give back to me the first 10% of whatever you earn. 10% so I can bless all the rest of it. Give the first 10%, the first 10%, the economics, the first 10%. I wanna remind you who's the master and who's the manager. See, tithing's not giving to God, really. Tithing is just returning to God what is his already, giving him the first 10%, but it has to be that first 10%. So why did God say 10% and not 5% or 2% or 50%? Numbers are important in the Bible. You realize that, right? Like the number seven is the number of perfection. Seven, it's the perfect number. Six is the flawed number in the Bible. And if you multiply it together three times, six, 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 it's really flawed, right? Some of you are going like, oh, six, six, six. Flawed, okay? 10 is the number of testing in the Bible, 10 plagues for the Egyptians, 10 commandments to test our obedience. 10 is the number of testing. And some of you are going like, if I give 10%, that is that's gonna be a test. Here's the thing. Tithing 
is a test, but it's not God testing you. It's you testing God. We need to get that straight. You see, one of the big places we see it is in the prophet Malachi. Malachi is in chapter three of his little prophecy is telling the people of Israel, he said, hey, it's like you're under a curse right now. And I figured out what it is. It's like, you're not giving to God. And then God speaks through Malachi and he says, he says, I want you to begin to tithe. And then he says, test me in this and see if I don't open up heaven itself to you and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. Did you hear what I said? Blessings beyond your wildest dreams. Test me. Not I'm testing you. Test me. 10%. You see, God is wanting to do something. He's wanting to open this thing up. He wants 2021 to be something incredible, amazing for you. But it's really not about your money. It's about what do you think about him? I'll just close with this. Let me just make it really clear with this little kind of cheesy illustration. But I think you'll get it with me because it really spoke to me. I want you to imagine that you and I were out in a desert. I mean, it's, it is like one of the giant deserts of the world. And we're right in the smack in the middle of it. I mean, we don't know which way we're going. We don't, I mean, we've been two days walking through this desert and we've run out of water like two days ago because we were thirsty, it was hot. You know, we didn't know it was gonna be like this. And, and so, man, we're, we're, we're really thirsty now. Two days without water, desert, and as far as you can see on every side is desert. And we come over this little sand dune and there's a little shack right in the middle of the desert. We're like, what is that? Is that a mirage? What is that? No, it's a real little shack. And we get there and in this shack, as we walk inside, the first thing we see is like one of those old fashioned pumps, you know, those handle pumps. And we're like, what? What could, and then the next thing that we see is a two liter bottle of water. And that is what we're heading for, right? The two liter bottle of water because we're dying of thirst. And so we get there and we're grabbing the bottle of water and we're trying to decide if we're gonna punch the other one or share it, you know? And then, there, but there's a note on it. It says, this pump goes down 300 feet to an underground river that, is endless. But in order to get the water up, you have to take the water in the two liter bottle and pour it in this hole in the top. It's called priming the pump. It's an old fashioned pump. You have to prime it and then pump like crazy as you pour it, but it's gonna take all of that water to do it. Now you have a choice, right? And you look and you see it's signed, your heavenly father, God of the universe. Well, who is this guy? Is he trustworthy? Now, here's the thing. The two liter bottle of water, if you just punch Mark in the face and walk off with it, it ain't gonna get you very far in the middle of that desert. I mean, you're in the desert of a pandemic, economy that is crumbling, morals that is just, I mean, just decaying around you. It's this desert that it looks endless as far as you can see for you and your kids and your grandkids. 
you have a choice to make. You see, you say, I think I'll take my two liters and get as far as I can. You're going to be right back where you are. But if you really think that name at the bottom is trustworthy, your heavenly father, the omnipotent Lord of the universe, who loves you more than you can even imagine, who's leaning over right now waiting to bless you, just waiting for you to open the way, open the way, please open the way, open the way. As you decide in your heart, as you predetermine, as you don't let anyone manipulate you, as you just look, you and God, and you make a decision. So what's your decision? You see how we're getting at the crux of what you think about God right now? It's a real thing. See, you thought that you thought God was trustworthy, but you don't, some of you. You're figuring that out right now. I'm not going to do that. I don't trust that. I don't, I'm not, I mean, that's crazy. Take my two liters and leave Mark here to rot. Close your eyes just for a minute. I hate it when God smacks me in the face like that. It's not to make you feel guilty. I told you I have a dream for you. I have a dream that you'll step into all God has for you for 2021. That it'll be the most amazing year. That you won't feel impoverished. That you will move into the blessed zone. Seek his kingdom, seek his way, seek his interests. And Jesus himself said all these other things, they'll be taken care of. Now it's between you and him, how you start, what you do. I'm not going to sit here and even try to give you a plan. I want you to just get along with God and say, God, I I really want to do this. Show me how. But I know you can't wait till the end of every month and see if there's anything left over because there's never going to be anything left over. It starts the other way so that God can get into move in your finances. Father, we love you. We're your little kids. God, you long for us. That verse in Isaiah where you said, I gave my word and it's glorious and I want my people to show my goodness to the world around, but you're not. You're trapped away in caves and you're hidden away in pits and you're stuck in all of this stuff. That's not what you want for us. God, that's not what we want for each other. That's not what we want for ourselves or our families or our children. God, if you're going to give hope for our home, you've got to meet us right here. And you know how hard it is to trust you. It's hard because we don't understand you. And we can't see you. But many of us in this room have already trusted you for our eternal salvation. And it's time for us to start trusting you with our day to day. So enable us to step in. Give us the courage. And thank you, God. It's going to be the most amazing journey. We're going to see you in action in our lives. Thank you, God, for what you're getting ready to do. As you just open up the heavens and pour out a blessing that goes beyond our wildest dreams. In Jesus' name.
Amen.